Are you excited about being here? Yes. Woo! Thank you for coming. Thank you that uh, went last night to uh, After You Say I Do. Uh, my wife and I was on a game show, and uh, there were three other couples. Uh, it's, it's taken off like the newlywed game, and it was televised, and we had a great time, and I won. Whoa, 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 whoa. We didn't score the most points, but I walked off the stage with the prettiest woman on the platform. And Bethel's first lady saved the last dance for me. So uh, we had a great time last night and really enjoyed it. Uh, if you will, if you'll turn with me to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. I have preached from this text many times, really, over the years. But this morning, I hope you will pay close attention to what I believe the Lord is saying to the church today. And uh, let's glean from this several truths, principles that we can apply to our own lives and our own ministries. And it's uh, chapter 5, and I'll begin with verse 1. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately, underline that word in your mind, immediately him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often... He had often been bound with shackles and chains. And the chains had been pulled apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said, Come out of the man unclean spirit. Then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons, all the demons, all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter them. Verse 13. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So those who fed the swine fled and they told it in the city 
and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw one, the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Wow. This is interesting to me. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead him to depart from the region. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. Verse 19. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends. Now, this is very, very important. In fact, I've got this highlighted. Go home to your friends and tell them what great things that the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And then verse 20, highlighted. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. The message says there that this man was the talk of the town. He was the talk of the town. Lord, add your blessings to the reading of your word. Speak it not only to our ears, but to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Notice the introduction immediately after taming the wild sea. Christ tames a wild man. This is not just a tall tale. Legion is a picture of Satan's finished product. The destruction of the image of God in man. Satan desires to keep us in bondage. Jesus, I need an amen king to set us free. Jesus Christ king to set us free. I start off with the, with the name Decapolis, and I start off for a reason. If you notice, Decapolis is the league of 10 cities. There were 10 cities on the south, or the east, the southeast side of Galilee. My wife and I were in Decapolis. And it's amazing because it's a Gentile, it was then a Gentile region. And there were city-states in this region. Gadaray being one of those cities. Damascus was the chief city of Decapolis. Ten cities. It was a large area, as I said, on the east side of the river, of the uh, uh, lake. Gadaray was a city south of the Sea of Galilee in Decapolis. Uh, necropolis. Notice that word. See that word necropolis? It meant uh, the use of tombs and cemeteries or city of the dead. This man housed himself where a lot of people house themselves today. Not necessarily down the street at the cemetery but they house themselves in the city of the dead. They're dead men walking because they're spiritually dead. Notice, if you will, and I'll get back to Decapolis because it's, it's, it's a big part 
of this study. The power and the result of sin. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. And sin will make you pay more than you want to pay. This was a man that was bound, tormented by sin. His tomb was his home. The tomb was his home. He was tormented night and day. He cried out, cutting himself. We live in a generation that is bent on destroying itself. We hear it every day. People cutting themselves. People committing mass murders knowing that they themselves are going to die. What's, what's going on? What's happened to our nation? What's happened to men and women's lives? Well, this is sort of a picture of America. By the way, if you need an outline, please raise your hand. I want everyone to have one. And Brother Steve is there waiting to, to do that. I forgot to... But if you need an outline of this sermon, please raise your hand. He'll make sure that you get one. This man was driven from society. He was driven from his families, his family. And the devil today will attack the families of America. He will attack the families and the homes of this city. He hates Families. He hates the, uh, the harmony and the peace between husbands and wives and parents and children. And so he'll do everything he possibly can to destroy the home. And the home has been under attack in America for, for many years, especially for the last 60 years. The devil does what he can to destroy it was impossible to control him by purely human methods. Listen at me. They tried. They took chains. They bound him with chains and fetters. And yet he broke the chains. One single man. He broke the fetters. He, he, he could not be contained. I'm reminded of the mass murder in Orlando was by Omar Mateen. Omar Mateen killed so many people in Orlando. Notice his record. First of all, in school, he was a troubled young man. Second of all, he was expelled from the school and suspended from the school. The authorities questioned him before this murder. They knew that he was in a danger to the community, yet they couldn't do anything about it. They tried to bind him. They tried to stop him. They tried the laws. They tried everything they could, but they could not stop Omar from committing this awful, awful act. And that's where our society is today. We think, hey, we can stop it here. We can stop it there. 
I mean, we don't let them come in to the borders, immigrants. We need to stop them. We need to do this. We need to do that. You say, what are you for? I'm for the true deliverance through the name of Jesus Christ. And that's what sets people free. It was impossible through human effort and our community has failed when it comes to the criminals in this country. Now we can have all kind of talk about it, all kind of discussion about it. We can have this decision, that decision, but I'm here to tell you, it's not right for what, a nine-year-old boy that just got killed here in Durham, was that how old he was? It's not right for the crime and the killings and the evil and the demonic activity in America to go on. Our jails can't stop them. Our sheriff department can't stop them. Oh, thank God for what is being done. The police can't stop them. Washington can't stop them. We have all kind of decisions. Hey, let's take the guns out of the hands of the criminal. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do the other. I'll tell you what let's do. Let's get them introduced to Jesus Christ. It was so interesting to me as I studied this that before Jesus got to the Gadarenes, him and his disciples were on a boat, and there was an awful storm. And he had to calm that storm. You see, Satan tried to stop Jesus from getting to this land of darkness, from getting to these people that were stooped in idolatry. Satan tried to stop him even on the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus said, not so. Peace be still. And he continues on his Trip. And as soon as he gets to the uh, land, immediately this man comes out. And he comes out naked. You know, we live in a society and a generation that don't mind taking off its clothes. I thought I'd just throw this in. When uh, Adam and Eve were, had sinned and they discovered they were naked, what happened? Jesus put clothes on them. When this man came out naked and he was delivered, what happened? He was sitting and he was what? He was clothed. Maybe we need to get the devil out of some people. Don't you get angry at me. I'm just telling you. You go, you go through the word of God and, and see what it says. Make no mistake, demons are real today. They are dangerous, they are powerful, and they are destructive. That doesn't mean that you and I should be afraid of demons and satanic activity because God's power is greater than any demon, than the devil himself. When Jesus and those disciples docked at the shore, immediately this man comes out. Why do you think he came running to Jesus? I've been on authority and power, and I want to get back on that. The power and authority. Jesus had authority, and those demons recognized the authority and the power that Jesus had. And they came running. 
Jesus gave us that same kind of power and that same kind of authority. Amen. And the devil recognizes it when God's people speak and act and pray and preach and live with authority. God wants us to enjoy his blessings. This man's mind was under satanic control. His body was driven with evil forces. Satan occupied the throne of his spirit. His mind, his body, and his spirit were under total control of the enemy and of these many, many demons. The power of Jesus Christ. The devil cries out when Jesus draws near. As I said, Satan recognizes authority. Salvation expels, not represses evil. I love that statement. I love that sentence. Underlined it. Let me say it again. It's important. Salvation expels, not represses evil. You send them to jail, it represses evil. It stops the evil acts in their life. But Jesus Christ, don't just bind that. Jesus Christ expels the evil in people's lives. You want to stop all the sin and all the crime and all the things that goes on in America today? Get the devil out of people. Amen? It is important that we, souls, listen, salvation. And what happened, these demons did not want to be just cast anywhere or commanded to go anywhere. But they saw 2,000 swine on the hillside. And they pleaded with Jesus because Jesus had permission. If the church today would rise up in faith, and in the power and authority of God's word, the devil would not have the power that he has over people's lives. We need enough power in this church when people come in bound with alcohol or drugs or addicted, they need to be delivered and set free. God will set you free. God will set them free. We've seen it happen so many times. So Jesus permits these demons, ever how many they were, they were at least 2,000 swine. We don't know how, legion means 6,000. It meant 6,000 with the Roman uh, army. We don't know how many there were, but there were many of them. They came out of this man. Can you imagine all those demons in this one person and going into a herd of swine? And when they went into the swine, the Bible says that the swine violently. I mean, if they can cause this to happen to animals, what can they cause to happen in people's lives? How can they disrupt? Why all the stuff? Why all the killings? Why all the mass murders? Why what? Because demonic forces are alive and well in America. And they need to be controlled. And the only way they can be controlled is not by society. It's not by human effort. It's through and by the Holy Spirit and the power of God. That's the only way that they can be controlled. Well, they did. They ran into the water over this cliff. They ran into the water. Well, the people that were 
attending to those swine or those hogs, went into the city and the country, and they told what happened. And so the people of the city came out. They came out of the city, out of the country, and all of them came where Jesus and this man was. And when they got to where he was, I love this, the Bible says he was sitting, which meant tranquility. He was, they were sitting, Satan strips us, he robs us of our peace, he removes us from our families. But not only was he sitting, he was clothed. I thank God when we come to Jesus Christ, he clothes us in righteousness. His righteousness. He makes us one with him. And we are clothed in purity, not in our own ability, not in ourselves, but Jesus clothes us in righteousness. We are made one with Christ. Let me ask you something this morning. Have you been clothed with Christ? Has he come on the inside and changed you? Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. We say it again. Jesus on the inside, working, and he'll work on my outside till, we, till I go to heaven. Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. God wants to change us. God wants to change us. The people came, saw him sitting, clothed, and in, the right, in his right mind. I believe when we come to Jesus Christ and, we change, and he changes our life, we have the mind of Christ. Amen. We have the mind of Christ, which means the intentions, which means the concerted purpose and the united aims, the same way that Jesus, let this mind be in you, which was in Jesus Christ. Did you like that? I love it. Jesus does those things. When those people came out, saw him sitting and clothed, and in his, now here they had been dealing with this man. The whole city knew about him. The whole country knew about this demon-possessed man. They knew when he cried out at night, screaming, he, he, this curling, curling, awesome scream. And, and the people no doubt would have to shut their windows and have to try to sleep while he's screaming out from the tombs. And here they've come. And they find him sitting and clothed in his right mind. And the Bible says they were afraid. <laughs> that's, that's typical of our society today. You can live like the devil, act like the devil on TV, but you let Christ change somebody and they get afraid. What's going on? You know I'm telling you the truth. You can talk about the devil, act like the devil, and the people listen, dance with you and whatever, but you, you mention the name of Jesus, it scares them to death. You go, in, you go into the schools, the universities, you go into a place of business and say Jesus. It scares people. But these people, they didn't say they were scared when he was screaming and acting like a maniac, but here he is calm and correct and cool, sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they're scared to death. And they told Jesus to leave. Get out of our country. That's what our society says today. They don't want the Ten Commandments in the public arena. 
They don't want you to mention Jesus. They don't want prayer in the schools. They don't want any kind of thing that, that even identifies with Christ on television. They work night and day, the people of this world that run our, our presses, that run, run, runs the internet, all these things, they work over time to keep Jesus from being exposed to this country. It's a good place to say amen. It's so true. And so Jesus gets in the boat and the changed man, the changed man. I want you to know today, you may not be demon-possessed, but sin may control your life. You may struggle and say, I'm not going to do that any longer. I'm not going to yield to that temptation. I'm not going to succumb to this addiction any longer. I'm not going to get angry anymore. I'm not going to allow lust to control my life and my mind. I'm not going to do it. But God Almighty wants to set you free today. If you allow sin, if you allow things to come between you and God, even if you've lost your first love and you've left that first love that you once had, God wants to draw you back to him. The Bible says in Romans 8 and 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. You don't have to be bound with that. We don't, we don't. You say, but Brother Don, most of us are Christians. I don't doubt that. But maybe there's something in your life that you're struggling with. And you get up every day and you make up in your mind, I'm not going to yield to this temptation today. And you find yourself falling. You find yourself saying things you shouldn't say. Find yourself acting towards your wife or your husband or your children or to your coworker. And, and you go away and you say, God, I've done it again. I want you to know that God will set you free from the power of sin. Let me read it again. It's a great verse found. In fact, I would encourage every one of you this week, listen to me, to take Romans chapter 8 and read it several times. Read it with several translations, not just one. It is one of the greatest chapters in the entire Bible. It follows chapter 7, of course. But Paul says in chapter 7, he was struggling. He was struggling. When I want to do good, evil is there. Satan is there to try to keep him from doing good. And then he says, but there was a change in my life. And then he goes into chapter 8 of Romans, and 19 times he mentions the Holy Spirit. You want to overcome the devil? Get filled with the Spirit. Woo! Let me say it again. You want to overcome the evil one? Get filled with the Spirit. Brother Don, how do I do that? We have books up here. We have people that will talk to you. You take the initiative to find out. You take the initiative to, 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 to read God's Word. Especially, listen at me, especially read Acts, the book of Acts, the whole book of Acts. Let me read it again. Romans 8 and 2. For the law of the Spirit of the life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Sin and death have a law. They are a law. You say, what's the law of sin? 
The law of sin is death. And he that commits sin, the Bible says, no, you know, is of the devil. That doesn't mean that we all go around life and we don't sin at all, but we don't practice it. There's a difference. There's a difference. We don't practice sin. When you become a believer, you might sin, but you don't practice. You don't habitually sin. You don't habitually let things control your life. That's opposite of the teaching of God's word. And so we find that these people saw him, asked Jesus to leave. And so let me read it again. Look at it again. However, Jesus did not permit him. Here we go. And when he got into the boat, now let's, this is important. When he got into the boat, verse 18 of chapter 5 of Mark, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. Oh boy, we can, add, we can add another number to our group. We can add another number to our church. Jesus could have said no, but he, however Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed, this man departed, and began to proclaim in Decapolis. That means in those 10 cities. These people were bound. They were in darkness. They were, they were heathens. They were not Jewish people. They were Gentile people. That meant this man delivered, totally set free, took it on himself to be a witness and to tell what Jesus had done for him. You say, Pastor, I, I don't know about witnessing. I don't know about uh, winning people to Jesus Christ. I'm not too keen on evangelism. Let me tell you, you just simply tell what Jesus has done in your life and it'll change other people's lives. You can do that, can't you? You can tell your story, not my story. My brothers, many of you knew him. His story and my story were two different stories. I was this clean-cut young man preaching at a very young age, and he was an alcoholic getting in and out of jail, getting locked up, being left on the roadside, having to walk for 60 miles drunk. Two different, two different lifestyles. Well, let me tell you something. I hadn't accepted Jesus Christ. I went to the, I would have been going to hell just like anybody else. You got to accept him. But he knelt here one day and Jesus cleaned him up and he no longer touched another drop of alcohol. He became one of the greatest. And you know what? He went around everywhere telling his story. His story was different than mine. But we need to tell our story what Jesus has done in our life. Turn to someone and say, tell your story. Come on, tell your story. Tell your story to somebody. You say, I don't know how to quote scripture. You don't have to quote scripture. It's good to know it. It's good to be able to quote scripture. But when I ask you to go quote scripture, we're just saying, tell your story. Now, let me get to, and I'm closing. Let me get to something that's very important. Look at your notes. A changed man leads a changed society. Jesus Christ twice, it's recorded, listen to this, twice went back to Decapolis. The people came out 
Well, let me read, let me read some of it. Look, look at uh, Mark chapter 7, 31, 32. Again, departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, he came through the midst of the region of Decapolis to the Sea of Galilee. Then they brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to put his hand on They didn't beg him to leave. They begged. Look at, look at, look at Matthew 15. Jesus departed there and skirted the Sea of Galilee, same place, doesn't name it, but it's Decapolis, and went up to the mountain and sat down there. Then great multitudes came to him, having with them the lame, blind, mute, maimed, and many others, and they laid them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. So the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed made whole, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glory the God of Israel. What's the difference? What's the difference in Decapolis? What's the difference in these 10 cities? Here they're begging him to leave. Here they're afraid. They don't want to have anything to do with it. Now they follow him by the multitudes, by the many. Now they're having something to do. And they had so much faith, they brought their sick out and Jesus healed them. What's the difference? That one man one, listen, it just takes one person to change your community. It takes you on fire for God. It takes you not afraid. It takes you with, with, with a passion. You just, you just, you need to get motivated. How long has it been since we've been motivated to tell others about Jesus Christ and tell our story? Well, Brother Don, I tell you what, I just don't know. We need to be motivated like the man that crossed over a fence into a pastor. And he got out in the middle of this big, big pastor, and he looked and he saw a big bull come raging to him. And he turns and he runs. He knows he can't get to the fence. The only thing he sees is one long tree in that pastor. And he's running with all of his might. That bull right on his trail. He gets to this tree. The lowest limb was 15 feet off the ground. Well, he saw that limb and he made a lunge to it. And he missed it. But he caught it on the way down. He was motivated. God help the church be motivated. If this man that was bound by all of these demons was set free by Jesus Christ and he changed a whole community, he changed a whole uh, uh, 10 cities and now Jesus has been accepted. We that are here today just, just us, not the man out there on the golf course, not the man that slept too late and couldn't get here, but you and I, if we got excited over what God's done for us and God would renew our relationship with him and would sharpen our skills to tell our story, we could change people around us. Amen? Amen? One of the things, as Brother Madden and everyone gets ready, 
for the end of the service. One of the things about pastoring a church so long, some of the people that's been there for years hear the same old story from the preacher, but bear with me. Bear with me. Before I started pastoring in 1969, I worked at a grocery store. Back then, and some of you probably don't even recognize these names, back then it was known as Colonial Store. And it changed from Colonial Store to Big Star. And there was a man that worked in that grocery store with me. His name was Norman Canada. Norman and I would go in early sometimes and stay late sometimes, and we simply worked together. Norman was a hard man. He was a big man. I weighed 115 pounds soaking wet. I was nothing but bridges and breath. And, you know, he could have mopped up the floor with me. And he told me one day, he said, I'm going to take you to the back room, and I'm going to mop up the floor with you. That's what he told me. He was a very angry man, and he didn't want you telling him anything about Jesus Christ and God. But you know what? I told him my story. I told Norman Canada my story. And of course, God called me to preach, and I left the store. And I hadn't heard from Norman in years and years. Telephone rung one day, and it was Norman's wife. And she said, Don, she called me Don. Don, would you come and visit Norman? He has cancer and he's dying. I walked into his house. He was not doing well. He was laying on the bed. And I sat down next to him on the, in a chair. He apologized for all the things that he'd done. For the way he felt towards me. And the things he'd said. And he said, Don, I, I, I want you to preach my funeral. I said, Norman, it would be an honor to preach your funeral. Norman died. And I was able to minister to him. able to minister to his wife and his children. He had several children. I preached his funeral. It was years later when we were meeting in the fellowship hall. That's where we gathered to meet from 1991 to 1997. We built this building in 97. But I was working in the fellowship hall and the young man came in the door. He came up to me. He said, you don't know me, do you? I said, no, I don't know you. He told me his name. He said, I'm Norman Canada's son. And God's called me to preach. Tell your story. Tell your story. They may not want to hear it. They may ask you to leave. I'm sure that some of those disciples, when that demoniac of Gadaray came out screaming and naked, I'm sure that their eyes bulged out and thought to themselves, see that Jesus, you shouldn't have come here to start with. We knew this place. But Jesus knew what he was doing. Don't ever hesitate to tell your story when the opportunity, when it knocks. 
He said, but Brother Don, my story's not like, listen, my, my story's boring. My brother's was not boring. You might feel like your story is boring. And Decapolis, you may live in Decapolis. You may live in the, in the worst neighborhood. You may, you may live where people are just not like God, act like the devil. But I'm here to tell you, there's not enough demon and satanic forces in your community to stop you if you pray and ask God Lord, help me lead someone to Jesus today. Let me change my Decapolis. Let me get them out of the tombs and the cemeteries. Let me get them out of the land of the dead. Let me get them into the land of the living. Let me introduce them to Jesus. Hallelujah. Tell you a story. There may be a Norman out there that wants to hear it. He may act like he don't want to hear it. He may get angry. He may even curse you. Your neighbor, your coworker, whoever, tell your story. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. When Carol and I were dating, I couldn't stop talking about her. I loved her. I love her just as much or more today than I did, what, next month will be 56 years. If you really love someone, you can't stop talking about them. If you really love Jesus, you got to tell somebody, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me introduce you to one that will deliverance you and say, listen, you may not have to say it that way. Just show them kindness. Show them. Let the fruit, listen to this, may the fruit of the Spirit be revealed in your life. Pluck some of those fruit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, temperance, self-control, all the way down, all nine of them. Let them be alive in you. Sing for me, Brother Matt. Sing for me. Heavenly Father, we step out of these doors today. We're going to step into the land of Decapolis. Lord, our Decapolis may be Rose of Sharon. Our Decapolis may be Emeraldwood Drive. Our Decapolis may be Guest Road. Our Decapolis may be at the office. Our Decapolis may be right in our own home our own loved ones, but God will step into the land of the capitalists because you've set us free. Because at one time we lived in the tombs. We lived in the land of the dead. Lord, I was dead. But you made me alive through Jesus Christ. Let us tell our story. Motivate us, stir us to tell our story to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. God, may we purpose in our hearts right now that this week that we're going to tell somebody our story.
that we're going to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. I pray that every believer here this morning, that there would be door after door after door that is open and give them authority and power to tell that person, those people, that man, that woman, that young person, that student, to tell them about Jesus Christ. Forgive us, Lord, of, 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 of missing opportunities that we certainly should have taken advantage of. Forgive me, dear God. With our heads bowed and reverently before the Lord, you hear today and you say, Pastor, I do not know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I, I can't say with surety that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. What if you would stand before the Lord tonight? And we could. And he would ask you, why should I allow you into my heaven? What would you say? Would you say, I went to church? I even paid my tithes. But did you know him as your personal Savior? Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. You say, Pastor, with an uplifting hand, would you pray for me? I need Jesus. Come on. God bless you. I want to thank you for coming. You're dismissed. Turn to a neighbor and say, go tell. Would you look at someone right now and take their hand and say, go tell. Go tell.